from gamers to gamers. Bounty gaming. Oh, this is really exciting. Come on, for the formal, for the game, for money. I'm not a big, big gamer, but I do play. Try that was great. Welcome to Bounty Talk, a podcast brought to you by the fine folks at Bounty, an upcoming gaming platform. Here, we talk about all things gaming, cryptocurrency, and everything in between. This is Atira, the content producer for Bounty, and today I'm gonna talk to Jonathan, our head of content regarding E3. Hello, what's up? You can't hear, you can't see me waving because it's an audio show. But anyway, uh, yeah, so E3 2018 just happened apparently last week. By the time we publish this, it's only really gonna be a day away. <laughs> so yeah, so last week from June the 11th to June the 14th. A lot of publishers, a lot of game developers actually showed off their wares and games for titles that are coming out in 2018 and 2019. It's a pretty glorious time. So for those who actually know what Bounty is, but who are just fledging gamers and all that, I think you know what this event means. Like You could say it's like a Christmas for gamers thing going on, where people, all these publishers, developers announce new titles coming either they're coming in like right now, today, this week, or even next week, or even like for the end of this year, or even for 2019. In fact, a lot of the big titles they announced are all coming out in 2019. Like, for example, I guess from your look at your eye, you want to ask me some stuff, right? So let's let's go with the questions first. Yeah, so okay, you basically spend like hours or maybe even days like watching the whole conference call. Uh, I did, on the day itself, yes. Yeah. Like, these shows actually happen around because it's set in Los Angeles, and I've been to these things before, and uh, back in 2008 till 2013, now that we're in the digital age, it's easier to watch these things. So rather than just paying for an expensive flight ticket and going over there, we can just watch what's going on in the comforts of our own home. So we should bless technology for that, where you can actually stream these things at the cost of just, what, spending your mornings just for this one week? Or paying for the internet. Yeah, yeah, that too, that too. <laughs> all, I mean, all you gotta do is just wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. because it's following US time. Mm-hmm. So when they're showing a press conference around the morning and the afternoon in America, we actually have to watch it in the early morning and the late morning of the show. So for example, when PlayStation is actually showing off their games in their little very tiny, uh, very private segment, we actually watched it around 9am, around on a Tuesday last week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you gotta take into account all these timings and whatnot. So you lost a couple of hours of sleep, right? Yeah, even I actually had to go back to work and you know, basically uh, just stay up and actually do some writing here and there. So uh-huh. I had to stay up at 2am and even come down in the morning too. So that's why I actually clock off work a little earlier so I can get some sleep. That's fair enough. So what is actually your favourite moment for this year's um, E3. I think that's pretty easy. To be honest, the entire show was actually alright. Not the best because I've actually seen the better shows back in 2015, 2013, 2010. But in this, in, in this yearly context, it's okay. The best one, I believe the best company that showed off the best way of presenting the games and whatnot is actually Microsoft, their Xbox press conference. Why? Because it was Phil Spencer going out there and doing what he needed to do. He needed to actually show that his brand, Xbox, is actually still relevant in a time when PlayStation was actually dominating. And 
when Nintendo actually had a really strong start last year in showing off the new console and everything. So Xbox need to actually cement that their future is actually doing fine with their Game Pass, their upcoming games, and even some of their exclusives. Now granted, their exclusives aren't that much. They actually showed off like what, a game that's coming out this year, Forza Horizon 4. A beautiful racing game, but it's only exclusive to Microsoft and it's only one for this year. But when it comes to like a lot of games coming for their platform, publishing on their platform, We've got Devil May Cry 5, we've got Tunic, this little cute uh, Zelda kind of game. We've got a lot, like Anthem as well as coming up. It's an EA game where you wear like power armor to shoot down enemies, Destiny style. You've got a lot. I, I think I got a list here, so just give me a second. Uh, yeah. Oh, we've also got an announcement for a new From Software game. It's called Sekiro, and you play a samurai with a grappling hook for an arm, and you're fighting enemies in the... Sengoku period. I mentioned Devil May Cry 5 already. Um, they've even made a definitive edition for an old RPG they made, uh, Tales of Vesperia for Xbox. They have like an HD version. Also coming out for PC. But for Xbox, it's like showing that yes, we do care for gamers and all that. And we have all these games coming out for their platform, so they gotta make sure that they're relevant in this market. So, based on what they need to do, oh, and even this cool game called Cyberpunk 2077. It's been announced and teased by the company CD Projekt, who's actually well known for doing Witcher 3. But during the Xbox press conference, that was the first time everyone saw the game live and everything, like the teaser everything. So it shows how important Microsoft is in the grand scheme of things, where all these big name third-party developers trying to book to actually show the games off first on Xbox. And because Xbox's press conference happened first, right after EA's one, like the next day in the US, it shows that, yeah, all these publishers, they actually like what they heard from Microsoft for the future. Obviously, it's all in the wraps, like they can't reveal some things. But the important thing is, it shows that Microsoft itself is dominant in terms of showing off all these games first on their platform, rather than, you know, showing it on PlayStation. Like, can you imagine if all those games that were announced on Microsoft were shown on PlayStation? That means that Microsoft, people don't really care about them. But they do, they do, which is really nice. That So all in all, I do believe that Xbox itself, they have a really good showing and a really good standing in terms of like being relevant in the market again. Now, on the flip side, when I saw PlayStation's presentation, when they showed off these four games, they told us like in advance, like a, f- a month or so in advance that they say, okay, we're going to show these four games, that's it, and maybe some new announcements here and there. Having said that, what I saw and what people have told me when they were in the US for this show, it was conflicting and milling. On one hand, the games they showed off were really, really good. I mean, that was The Last of Us Part 2, which looked, which looked really good. That Spider-Man game, which I'm actually looking forward to because I'm a big Marvel guy. And there's also this really good, cool game from Sucker Punch called Ghost of Tsushima, where you're a samurai trying to fight for freedom in Tsushima Island, obviously, when it was during the Mongolian invasion period. It was like a few, I think it was a dynasty before the, the rise of the Shogunate Empire in Japan. So it's like, you see samurais in the infancy, going around fighting Ronin and fighting the Mongolian horde and whatnot, and also self-killing. It looked very beautiful, like the gameplay wise. But in terms of how Sony wanted to present your work and everything, I think they kind of faltered. It's like, oh, 
here, we're going to bring all these journalists to one room, show up last time the church, and then after that, oh, you have to wait 15 minutes, you have to go to another location. And then in between that, the intermission, there was like some awkward banter between all the producers and some of the hosts and everything, which you already showed us the gameplay, you don't need to this filler going on. And then you go on to another room. And after that, they showed off Ghost of Tsushima. Before that, there was actually a guy playing a flute to set the mood, right? But after that, they had to move to another theater and whatnot. The last place, obviously. Because can you think like moving these people around, it's like a logistics nightmare and everything. Yeah. Kudos for them. Kudos for these guys who actually try something different. But this is not the good kind of difference. This is a bad kind of difference. Yeah, it sounds more like a presentation may have. Like they didn't really thought about like that logistic. They did, but they didn't care, honestly. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Now, up, now, now, Sony, great games, terrible way of actually handling the presentation. Now we head to Nintendo where they actually have the best presentation in terms of like showing what they needed. Like, here's 30 minutes of the games, we're gonna show you, that's it. Don't waste our time, show us what we need. If you want to play it, we can go to the actual show floor and play it ourselves. Having said that, the games they showed were okay la. I mean, I actually did see some games I wanted to play like Fire Emblem and all that, but in terms of system sellers, the only thing they showed off was Smash Brothers. While it's big in the US and big in Europe, I don't think it's really big in Asian culture here. I mean, it's nice to see Mario fighting against Sonic, mm-hmm. fighting against Solid Snake, fighting against Kirby and all those other Nintendo characters, but it isn't really that big a deal when you compare it to something like a phenomenon like Dota 2 or League of Legends or any PlayStation game that requires crossovers and whatnot. For Nintendo, I don't think the culture here is big. But again, I appreciate the whole format. And there was also another also ran, Square Enix. They actually had a 30 minute presentation where, oh, here are the big games that are coming out. You've seen some of this, so we're going to show you more, like Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I think you liked that, right? Did you? Yeah. Okay, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And then a few other new games from Platinum Games called Babylon's Fall and a few others. Even Kingdom Hearts 3 as well, which people already saw also. I mean, they were showing a lot of that in the Microsoft press conference, so people are kind of sick of Kingdom Hearts by now. But the point is, their format actually worked because it's 30 minutes, they showed off some of the games, some new stuff, some previews of their upcoming games, or games that are coming out this year, like Just Cause and Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and then that's it. You, Our time is not wasted. We don't need to actually have some awkward presentation or guys coming up and presenting. I mean, unless you're Phil Spencer or... Uh, Hirai from PlayStation from Sony mm-hmm. I don't think you should be doing these kind of shows anymore and I think that's all I can say about E3 I mean I've listed out the best ones mm-hmm. and the best formats I kind of wish that in future for maybe for the next E3 2019 or 2020 that all the big companies Microsoft Sony they follow the format that's the setup by Nintendo where you release a 30-40 minute video Presenting what you need, presenting his points, his gaming things here and there, and boom, you're done, that's it. Now, in terms of like maybe the worst show I've seen, mm-hmm. um, I guess Ye is the one that we can bring up because it spent an hour not saying much, and then when they showed out their game Anthem, it was actually okay, I guess. I mean, I actually don't mind wanting to play that next year, and I believe the game's coming out on February 22nd. But beyond that, the rest of the show, it's like, oh, we're gonna show off Command and Conquer Mobile. But I think apart from investors, I don't think anyone in that crowd actually gave, actually cared about watching that. 
and everything else was like all middling you know like we know there's a new FIFA 19 coming out we knew there's a no there's another Madden game coming out and there's got some football ultimate team going on and no one cares actually this is it like showing things that you already know yeah yeah I mean they did show some indie games which are nice you got Unravel 2 that came out on the day itself and we got a game called Sea of Solitude that looks pretty interesting but beyond that and maybe that showing of Anthem that's it and I had to give props to the girl who was actually presenting, Andrea Reyes. I believe she is from Escapers a long time ago. And uh, I think she's got this podcast with a lot of video game girls together as well. Like all these journalists gathered together, all female. She tried her best to straight to present and make the show presentable. But I mean, it's obviously not her fault. She's actually a very presentable person. But the show itself and what they can show in the content, that was very lacking from EA's part. So what's the name of the podcast that she's hosting? Oh, actually it's called What's Good Games. Yeah, it's an all-female podcast. It's really worth listening to if you want to hear video gaming and the video game industry and pop culture from a different perspective. Because usually it's always males who actually talk about these things. But there's also people don't... They should know about the other half where women talk about these things. Yeah. Whether it's like about the culture itself or about films or like... Or oh, whether it's just games overall, like how skillful you are and whatnot, etc, etc. So really good ways of doing these things here and there. Now, are there any other questions you want to ask about yeah, E3? Yeah, I actually have. Um, even on Bounty, we're going to list down the games that E3, um, the games that was featured on E3. Yeah, it's more like the top 50 things like actually Wildest and E3. Yeah. So what games are you personally looking forward to? So my favorite game, I guess yeah, I, could, I could just say plural games because there are actually a number of titles I'm looking forward to. One is actually Devil May Cry 5, where I look at the hyper-realistic kind of graphics with all the action going on with Nero and his Red Queen sword and then the metal army has. It looks pretty cool. I want to see how that flows through. And the fact that you also might get to control Dante because it was teased at the end of the trailer might be pretty cool too. So you have like two or maybe three different fighting styles. I mean, Virgil, one of the characters from Devil May Cry, might be a character who makes the appearance later on. So who knows, who knows. I'm actually looking forward to that. I mean, it's just a few bits of gameplay clips, but it's nice to know that they're actually going back to the well for Capcom for this. Because actually Capcom has been on a roll because there's also Mega Man 11 that, I mean, they did not announce it on stage, but it was actually playable on the show floor. So Mega Man 11, that's also one game I'm looking forward to, even though it's been announced last you know, year. Is the release date? Um, Mega Man 11 is coming out uh, late 2018. I think it's October. Oh. And Devil May Cry 5 is coming out spring 2019. Let's see other games. I believe there is a PC game from the guys who did The Killing Floor. It's called Man Eater. Man Eater? Yeah, it's about a shark okay. that kills people. <laughs> it's, it looks like it's actually a phone game I've seen online or on a web browser actually made into like a triple A 3D game, 3D game, you know, where you're a shark, you can actually go on land temporarily and eat up humans and all that. <laughs> I think that's what you do, you just kill humans because you're hungry or right. maybe because they're polluters and you're trying to kill them because they're being evil and stuff. Is, yeah. is that the objective of the game? Is there like any other, it's just them killing? Yeah. You're, you're playing the shark, right? And you're uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. humans. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, really cool. At the same time, it's unique in a way, but not quite unique because I've seen mobile games doing this. But at the same time, I'd like to see what, what this game is up to. Like, I believe it might be coming out in 2019. I predict because there's no release date. And I believe there are a couple more. There is this cute little 
action RPG called Tunic, you capture a little fox in a very cubicle, sharp, polygon, polygonal world, and the view is actually isometric, like a three-fourths view. And you control a little fox, you attack bad guys, you explore runes, you go into people's houses, maybe break their pots to actually get the jewels, you know, like how you do with the Legend of Zelda game. Uh -huh. But it's for PC and Xbox One, and it looks very adorable. I think this is something you might like as well if you've seen the graphics for it. It's uh, called Tunic, you know, as in like the clothing, Tunic. Yeah. Let's see, other games, I believe they showed off Fallout 76 in the Bethesda press conference that looked pretty nice and also Rage 2. We'll go with Fallout 76 first. I want to actually see a Fallout game where it actually takes place before 200, like before 200 years. So it's pretty cool that Bethesda announced a game where this game takes place 20 years after the bomb dropped. Which means that the world still looks kind of fresh and not decayed but the radiation is so strong. In fact, there are actually 12 nukes in the map of the game where you and another party member who's an online player can activate it at will at any time. So you can choose to build settlements, you can choose to, to you know, team up and defeat monsters like a giant bat or a mothman or I think I've seen an armadillo, not an armadillo, maybe a giant sloth? I don't know, I mean there's some American animals I don't know about. Like, oh maybe even a giant mutated bear. <laughs> but here, because it's online, you can be whoever you want. You can even fight against your teammates or even fight against people online. Because they could pretend, they could be a rogue person, you know, because you can be anyone you want to follow. That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, and what I meant about the nukes is you can actually activate one, set it off in, you know, launch the nuke to another area, and that area is permanently radiated. So you can choose to be a huge dick and just shoot a rocket <laughs> to some guy's settlement. I 100% will tell you that when the game comes out this November, uh, I think it's 14, 15 November. Mm -hmm. Everyone's probably going to be rushing for a nuke. Level up as high as you can, go to the nuke, be like maybe level 50 or something, and then just fire at some poor guy's house. That, I mean, that sucks, man, for whoever gets nuked. But you could be coming across nice players, who knows? I mean, because yeah. I think it's like all segmented, dedicated servers. Like, one server, one room, one world can only inhabit like about 12 players. Mm. And there'll be many different channels, or maybe 20 players. The Bethesda isn't that clear about the mechanics of it, but I thought it's nice to know that, you know, a multiplayer Fallout game could work as long as it retains a single player flavor and its quests and its lines of objectives and whatnot. Yeah, let's see. Let's see when it comes out yeah, yeah. we can know. I'm also excited for Rage 2. This is a game where basically the first game was actually a shooter in an open world area where you can drive a buggy and all that in a wasteland world. Kind of like Borderlands in a way, but Borderlands is much better. Right. Yeah, this Rage, it came out, no one cared. It was okay, <laughs> but Borderlands 2 came out. So this is basically it software doing their version of Borderlands 2, again with the colors and everything. Mm. You've got a guy, his name is Walker. He's a ranger, like the last of his kind. He has to defeat this group called the Authority. And along the, in the middle of the way, along the way, he actually also has to fight mutants and very crazy people like raiders and whatnot. So imagine Mad Max, but done it software style. The shooting itself feels very fluid so far from what I see because you have to move around fluidly like how you did in the remake of Doom in 2016. In fact, I think it's the same engine. And you also get special powers, you can actually pull characters back to you, enemies back, and then you push them away like the force push. They can throw this thing called a... Crap, I 
forgot. Was it called a boomerang? Okay, let's call it a boomerang. Yeah. So you just throw it, you can actually recall it back. So you can just slice enemies halfway through. And you've got guns, you've got your grenade launchers, you've got your shotguns. Oh, the shot. I think in this demo that we've seen, there were there was a copious amount of shotguns being used because everyone all were, were packing up, more or less. Mm. And then the, the actual demo sort of ended with the giant coming in, you gotta fight that lah. That so, sounds nice, man. Oh, and whatever they can see, cars and whatnot, you can drive it. So, you've got an open world setting, and the open world itself is actually built by this team called Avalanche. So it's like, it, it software teaming up with Avalanche. And Avalanche, they're well known for doing the Just Cause games. Mm-hmm. The one, you know, with the guy with the grappling hook and everything. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think those are the games I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, there's actually a lot more, but I think we should cut it down because I, I, I think we might be over time. We right? are one of the longest podcasts that we have. Oh, wow, okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll do one more game. Let's see. Alright, one more game I want to talk about is a game called Dying Light 2. Have you played the first Dying Light? No. But I'm... you've heard of it, right? The zombie game? Yeah, Techland. Okay, so this is... It's about the same, where you basically are a parkour guy, you're very mobile and everything, and you have melee attacks. And it's set in a kind of a different kind of post-apocalyptic area where you've got raiders and you've got the townsfolk trying to survive and get by, especially with the infected zombies running around. Mm -hmm. And they get really, really dangerous at night, of course. Now, what's special about this one is that the game's story and dialogue trees and everything are handled by Chris Avalon. He's actually very responsible for doing the Planescape Torment game, the story, and a lot of the Baldur's Gate 2 titles, and even Fallout as well, back in the day. The very Fallout 1 and 2, during the Black Owl period and everything. So to see him actually doing the story for Dying Light 2 is very, very interesting. Now this game was showcased at the Xbox press conference, and it looked pretty cool, where basically they showed off two different outcomes, where if you take the water from the from the thieves mm-hmm. like because you're actually, you're actually given a task to actually get back the water supply from thieves the keys and everything so if you take that back the city gets owned get controlled by this a peacekeeping force but the problem is they will take any like crimin, criminal activities very seriously so if you steal something or if you trip or something you get sentenced to jail or something or confinement so you get a more strict um, you get a more strict authority body taking over the town now, if you actually help out the thieves in basically stealing the water and claiming it for themselves, mm-hmm. then you have a more different outcome where the water itself becomes a very rare resource and you actually have to actually buy water at a very high price. And there are actually more criminals running rampant in that particular section of the town. So I'd like to see where this takes, I'd like to see where these developers Techland and Chris Avalon take with this game and series. That's so, really nice. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I believe it's coming out next year. Right. So we can hope to look forward to it like later on. Cool, cool. Definitely. I think that's something that's very interesting kind of concept. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I know some games actually have like the whole good and more good and evil morality system, but this one, because I've seen this guy's work before in Planescape and Torment, Titan, Numenera, and a few other games. So whatever story he does, he he'll be writing for this and the branching paths. You will not see like your very good ending or a very bad ending. You'll see like, oh, you've got the authority thing over. You've got a more sad, not not really sad ending, but more a more realistic ending or endings plural. <laughs> so it'll be pretty cool to see, like, because there's no such thing as like a black or white in this kind of world or in this kind of setting. I like to see stories that are like gray in between. Like, you might be a good guy, 
but there are other people who think otherwise. I like those kind of stories. I like those dichotomy. Like you, you also decide whether you're doing the right thing or not. And the game just presents you with this as well as some parkour act, you know, as well as present you with some really good action adventure parkour action, like you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all a lot right. of zombie killing too. Uh, is that all the games that you're looking for? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's some yeah, way yeah, yeah. more. Yeah, I think there's way more, but let's just cut this show short for brevity's sake. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we end, we actually have a couple of announcements. Oh, we got one actually. Oh yeah, this one. Yeah, no, we've got one where. We are going to scale back a bit on Bounty Talk, so we're not actually going to be doing this on a weekly basis. So we'll have this one happening for this week, and another one where we actually talk to one of our colleagues about his business development work. Yeah. But after that, we're just we're just going to have this show on a monthly basis, because we are actually restructuring, or do or was it going to be bi-weekly? Bi-weekly. Okay, sorry, sorry, my bad. Bi-weekly basis. So once every two weeks, we're going to have a show talking about the developments of Bounty, as well as some gaming tips and news, as well as some showcasing on the many employees that we have, or new you know new prospects or new advisors that we'll get. Yeah, definitely you can expect more, maybe variety, a different variety of content coming up by week. Yeah. If you want to find out more news about Bounty, go to Bounty.io yeah. as well. So other than that, that's, that's about it, John. All right, Anything all right. else so, that? I think that's it. Um, all right, we're going to cap off the show. So thanks again, fellow listeners. This is me, Jonathan Soya, Head of Content, signing out. And this is Atira from Bounty, signing out as well.